Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. A beautiful mess. A beautiful mess. That is one of my favorite statements because it really encapsulates a lot of life, a beautiful mess, a lot of life if we're honest. Many of the great things that we love and enjoy in life can be encapsulated in this term, a beautiful mess. Marriage. (laughs) Amen. Marriage, the best of times and the worst of times. Some of you might be like, my marriage is more of a mess than it is beautiful. But many times it encapsulates marriage. It means you got, it's beautiful in many, many ways. Like you've got honeymoon moments, you got times you are communicating well and things are all good. It's, it's beautiful, but then you have those moments where you don't like each other. And it's messy and you're not communicating. And someone's spending, spending money the way that you don't want to spend it. And, 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 and they're saying things they shouldn't be saying. And it's just, it's just a big, beautiful mess. <laughs> Preach it, brother. They need marriage help. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kids. Kids are a beautiful mess. One moment, you're like, I love you so much, baby. You're so cute. And then they poop on your hand. And it's like, you got to <laughs> go and get a wife. <laughs> Kids are a beautiful mess. I mean, they are, they're awesome. They're beautiful, those moments where they're acting right and they're loving each other. There was this one moment, this, this past cutest thing ever. I've got a seven, four, and two-year-old. They're all boys. Pray for me. I need it. Uh, there was this, this time where our four-year-old took, took our two-year-old, Dallas, and they were walking down the hall and just arms around each other, walking down the hall. And then I go and look in the living room, and they're literally like hay, like haymaking like at each other, just whatever. It's, it's a beautiful mess. It really is. Your job might be a beautiful mess. There's parts about it you love and parts about it that you just cannot stand. You got days where it's all good and you got days you're like, God, forgive me, I'm going to kill my boss. Like, uh, please forgive me in advance for what I'm about to do to them. Maybe friendships. It's a beautiful mess. You got those friends that you're tight with, those, those friends that you're besties, right? You're BFFs. You're, you're great. But it probably took you a lot of stuff to get to that point. A lot of many disagreements and habits hurt. I mean, it's just like a, a bunch of things happen. It's a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess. What I found is that typically life's biggest blessings also are life's biggest burdens. Isn't that true? What your biggest blessings are in life typically are also your biggest burdens. But, but where I see this whole concept playing out of a beautiful mess, it like really playing itself out, I don't think any more poignantly or beautifully than is with the church. The church. What a big, fat, beautiful mess the church is. Some of you come here today being hurt by the church. You've been hurt by the church. You've seen the church hurt other people's lives. And you have kind of had this whole mentality of um, you love Jesus, but you don't love his church. Because uh, you've seen how God's people are, suppo- are treating each other. And you're like, if that's how God's people are going to act towards each other, um, I'll just love Jesus in my home. <laughs> I love Jesus from a distance of his people. I, you know, it's like, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love his church. Because, I mean, unfortunately, the church, I believe, in our culture, 
whether it's good or bad, has a, not a good reputation. And I think if we're honest, because, because a lot of people see pastors taking advantage of, of people for their own personal gain, they see churches that can't even agree on anything. Maybe you've been a part of church splits where you've had people in the church fighting for position. They say, do you know how much I give? Do you know my influence in this church? I want to do this. I want to do I want this. I want the carpet this color. I, I want to do a 20,000 square foot add-on, not a 40,000 foot add-on. I'm a part of this ministry. We should get more money. And they just fight and fight and fight. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a part of the church either. Crazy people up in here fighting over stuff. Like we're supposed to, it's like, is that the way the church, maybe you've experienced church that way. But if we're completely honest, church really is a beautiful mess. I think it's unfair, though, to just paint the church as always being about that kind of a thing, because I don't know about you. I've been a part of some beautiful churches, that they're about the right stuff. They genuinely love people. They genuinely serve people. They genuinely care. They're just not about for their benefit, but they're for the city's benefit. They're saying the church isn't going to just exist for us. The church is going to exist for the world. And I've been a part of those churches too. But what I want to ask you to do today, because I believe some of you are probably here and you've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. You've had a bad church experience. Maybe you grew up in church and it was a bad experience or just maybe you've been kind of just like hurt and it's so easy for us to say things like I said earlier, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And my, my heart today is, is, is that you would leave here today not just loving Jesus, but loving the church. What was that? The devil's already moving, trying to make distractions up in this piece, having stuff fall over. He, he knows God wants to speak to you today. Amen? No, but, but my, my heart is for us, not to just love Jesus, but for us to love his church. And that we wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and just say, I've been hurt by the church. Because really what you are hurt by, whenever you say you've been hurt by the church, you are hurt by people. Because people are a part of the church. And most of the time when people hurt us, it's not the church and, and existing organ, organization that hurt us. It was people in the church. So my heart today is for you to leave today knowing what the church is, what the purpose of the church is ultimately for. Because I know this is absolutely crazy, but I believe the church is the hope of the world. I really do. I sincerely, honestly believe with the core of who I am. And since we started this thing, about one year ago. We're actually coming up on our one-year birthday at Lifehouse. So, hey, mark your calendars. September 16th. September 16th, that's a Sunday morning. We're going to be having cupcakes for everybody. Every human being that walks in this place, you're getting a cupcake. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have blow-up games for, for kids. We're going to party and thank God for all that he's done in Lifehouse as we're coming up on one year. So mark your calendars. September 16th. It's going to be an incredible day as we celebrate the faithfulness of God here. But as I've been doing this thing for a year, I sincerely believe to the core of my being, the church is the hope of the world. If I were God, I would not have chosen the church. You know God's plan to get Jesus' name out there and to get people to worship and serve God? Do you know God's plan, his ultimate plan is the church? If I were God, that wouldn't have been me. I would have come in a cloud or something. Like, I'd have made everyone scared. Like, I'd have power, you know, zapping people. You know, I'm glad I'm not God, right? But God's plan from the very beginning, last week, we, we actually studied the book of what? Acts, right? Talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and really about how the power of the Holy Spirit fell, Acts chapter 2, right after the Holy Spirit fell, the church was born. Peter got up and preached, and 2,500 people received Christ, and then at that moment, the church was born. The beautiful mess of a church, it was born. And you can even go back. The beginning of the church had a lot of the same issues that a lot of churches have now. Bickering, fighting, people feeling like they're second best, money issues. I mean, all of the, like, a lot of stuff hasn't changed besides just dates. But a lot of the same issues they had back then where we have now, Paul, what we see, Paul, he was a church planner. God saved him in Acts chapter Nine, And what we see is Paul became a church planner, and Paul, God used him mightily to go out into different areas that never heard the gospel before. And Paul, he would go and preach, and people would get saved, and Paul would plant churches. And then Paul would basically plant a church and travel, plant somewhere else, plant some other churches. But then these churches surprisingly had issues. So in... So in Scripture, you see, starting in Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Thessalonians, what those are, those are simply letters that Paul wrote to churches that he had planted. And really what you see, see here is that Paul was many times, whenever he was going and writing to these churches, he was dealing with people problems because the church is full of imperfect people. You take imperfect people and put them in a church, what are you going to have? Problems. I mean, issues, problems. And you can see when Paul writes, he's addressing sexuality. He's addressing sexual sin. He's addressing eating. He's addressing anger, relationships, bickering, church, church, church leadership, how we use money, how we use our time, how we use our talent. Like Paul was having to write all of these different letters telling them, hey, this is what the body of Christ, everyone say that with me, the body of Christ. This is how the body of Christ is supposed to operate and function. But this, that is the chief term that we see Paul using in referring to the church is this term, the body of Christ. Do you know the purpose of the church isn't to be a social club? The purpose of the church is not to be a place we gather on a Sunday. You know what the ultimate purpose of the church is? Is to be the hands and feet, the physical representation of a God that cannot be seen. The church's goal when Paul referred it to in 1 Corinthians 12, you are the body of Christ. What he was saying is, is you are the physical representation of a God that cannot be seen. And he says the church's mission and the church's goal is as all of, of these Christians join, join together and do their part. They form together a, uh, this kind of like choir Harmony, shouting to the whole world, this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus is like. He calls it the body of Christ. Christians, ultimately, we're not called to just be lone rangers. We're called to come together and be the hands and feet, the body of Christ, a physical representation of a God that cannot be seen to a hurting and dying world. I'm a little amped up this morning. I'm sweating. Woo! But I want you to see today the the church, y'all. The purpose of the church is to be the body of Christ. What we see here in Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. 
he, he's talking to this church he planted in, in Corinth, and shockingly, they're having problems. It seems like there's people trying to puff themselves up and say, well, I've got the gift of tongues. I'm better than you. Oh, I prophesy. You're just that tongues person. Then you got someone saying, yeah, well, I give. I give more money than you. Then you got someone else. Yeah, but I can discern spirits. Can you do that? Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, and, 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 and they're bickering and they're fighting and they're, you know, just, just a bunch of stuff going on. And, and, and Paul just writes this, this portion here and he's trying to get this church refocused. And what Paul sa- says here in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start in verse 12 through 4, or we're going to go to, uh, verses 12 through 26. Paul says this, hey, look, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given this one spirit to drink. Now, I want to actually take these scriptures and read it in a different translation in the Message Bible, which is really a paraphrase of of this written in a modern-day language for us that I think really helps us understand these scriptures better. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13 tells us this. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing and what he means by this kind of thing, the church. We can easily see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. So Paul says, do you want to see what actually the church is supposed to be like? Yeah, look at, look at your physical body. He says, your body has many parts, limbs, organ cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. Let me tell you what Paul is getting at, is we need Jesus to unite us. Jesus is the one thing that we unite around as the church. The church is not a place for your agenda. The church is not a place for your personal agenda. The point of the church is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And yes, we are different in many ways, shapes, and forms. Some of y'all black, some of y'all white, some of y'all short, some of y'all tall, some of y'all girls, some of y'all guys, some some of y'all are rich, some of y'all ain't so rich, some of y'all are are middle class, some of y'all are Democrats, some of y'all are Republicans, some of, some, of, some of y'all want kids, some of y'all don't want kids. It's like there's so many different things that we could identify ourselves by. But what Paul's saying here, when you become a Christ follower, all of those other labels fall to the wayside of the one ultimate label that you are a son or daughter of the living God and you become now a child of God and you get integrated into the church. And the one thing that unites us cannot be secondary issues. It cannot be all Democrats over here, all Republicans over, over here, all women. I was like, no, he says when we came into Christ, all of that stuff falls to the wayside. And the ultimate thing that binds us together is Christ. Because, y'all, let's just be honest, man. The church can just be a cesspool of people wanting to unite around the wrong things. And they can use Jesus to even unite and say, and then what ends up happening? Jesus falls to the wayside of someone else's agenda. And what is ultimately lost there 
is we lose the purpose of the church, which is to make Jesus famous. Isn't to get our, uh, isn't to get our uh, agenda rolling. The purpose of the church is to be the hands and feet of Christ. I want to end and encourage us as this church. We need to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is making sure Jesus is the main thing. And we will become divided if we focus on any other thing but Jesus. I mean, just think about how churches divide over secondary doc- doctrinal issues. There's whole denominations built on what churches believe about one thing. Do you believe that? And then people wonder why there's no power in the church, because there's no unity. Here's the thing. Unity does not mean uniformity. Get that. Unity does not mean we all look the same, act the same, going around like robots, you know, all, you know, just look, you know, it's like we're all becoming robots, you know, it's like, no, like unity does not mean uniformity. Unity simply means we're unified around a common cause, and the common cause has got to be the great commission. The the common cause has got to be Jesus in his name and for his glory to be praised. Come on, church. Let's, let's celebrate that. We're a part of something so much greater than ourselves. And if we lose that, we lose everything. We, we, we said last week, the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus. If the Holy Spirit had a job description, literally, the Holy Spirit has a one-line job description, glorify Jesus. He said, You'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then what? You'll be my witnesses. The purpose of the Holy Spirit working in and through you is to glorify Jesus, and as we do that together, bringing all our gifts, all our talents, all of our treasure resources, all of who we are together as a church, though we're different, though we look differently, act differently, believe differently about different things, but as we come together in unity, what ends up happening is we become the hands and feet and, and, and the physical representation of an unseen God that cannot be seen, and we shout to the world this is who jesus is and this is what jesus is like jesus has got to be the one uniting us secondly though paul goes on here we're going to read in the message bible here we're going to continue on verses 14 through 26 this is somewhat lengthy so take a hit of caffeine Whatever you got to do, get your coffee, get a sip. Yeah, we got somebody diving in. Okay, do it, all right? But I want you to, to, to focus for me, all right, because this is powerful, okay? I'm going to try to read it as, as joyfully and as nice as I can for you to actually listen, okay? I want you to think about how all this makes you more, more significant. So basically what we're doing here is following up on what Paul just said, talking about the body, where we, how Jesus unites us. It says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If Foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If Ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you. 
or head telling foot. You're fired. Your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, but for instance, you can't live without a stomach. When it's part of your own body, you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you, if you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to a full-bodied hair? The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in that hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every part enters into the, into the exuberance. I just want you to see, I want you to see hopefully how you see how every part matters. Every part of the body matters. And what I would hate for you to think is that I, or that I matter more than any other part of this church. Let me tell you this. I don't, I'm playing the part that God has given me, and my part is no better than some than somebody at this church making coffee. My part is no more important than somebody loving on babies. My part is no more important than somebody directing traffic. What, but what, but what, what I do have is I've got more responsibility. You know, the, the scripture tells me that those who teach are going to be judged more strictly. I'm just playing my part but I'm going to be held responsible for what God does in and through this church. But my part is no more important than someone else's part. And I would, and I would hate for us to think that just because I'm up here preaching that I'm more important because that is so not true. I'm just doing my part. You know, just for instance, we, just, we started for our city yesterday, and we were able to serve as a church a combined 610 hours given to our city. Come on, someone. Let's give it up. An incredible time of serving. Thank you. If you did serve yesterday, thank you so much. We, we, we still got Monday through Friday also. So if there is a project that you want to get signed up with, there's plenty of time. Theaterchurchnn.com. You can go there and see different projects going on. But, you know, people were coming up to me. Hey, we're, what's going on for, for our city? I'm like, I have no idea. Literally no clue. <laughs> you're going to have to go talk to Carrie Jones, Agent Rock. You're going to have to go talk to someone else, like John, you know, John Beamer, these people leading projects. I don't know a whole lot. Just go to theaterchurchnn.com. And really, the reason is, is because we got people operating in their gifts in the body of, of Christ, doing what God has called them to do. I, I, can't, I can't be everything to everybody. I can just do my part in what God has called me to do, but I, I want us to actually know that because we have so many teams that operate at this church that make this church what it is. You know, every single week, hospitality, people that come in and make you coffee and greet you at the door and direct your parking traffic at the first time, guest booth, kids check in, they're, they're parking cars, they're doing all that. Do you know people say that, 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 that people make a choice whether they're going to come to a church a second or third time within the first five minutes of being on the church property? Do you know who doesn't matter? Me. I could preach fire from heaven. I could preach with all power and authority. But if people don't feel the love of Jesus when they walk into this place, it really doesn't matter. The hospitality team, I tell them all the time, you preach the gospel, y'all. You prepare hearts for people to receive the love of God. 
Our kids ministry, man, we got people in there serving right now, loving on your babies and your beautiful kids, telling them about Jesus. Nursery workers in there praying over your kids. Preschool workers, they love your kids. You you know a stat, 70% of people receive Jesus before the age of 13. Do you know how important children's ministry is? For them to know about Jesus and how much Jesus loves them, know that Jesus cares for them. We have an incredible production team, worship team. Worship was on fire today, wasn't it? Let's just give it up for them, man. It was awesome. The worship team, they work hard to create a a beautiful environment that whenever you walk in, we know you've had a rough week. We know your week has probably beat you to snot, has beat the snot out of you, and you're walking in here confused, defeated, messed up, and our team works hard to make sure we provide a worship experience and environment for you that you can hopefully come and get your eyes on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and get your perspective back and get your passion back and get your focus back. They work hard on that, making sure words are spelled right, because we know teachers are here, and you guys know you can't worship Jesus if there's a word misspelled. Your OCD nature won't allow you to, so we have an incredible production team that works hard to make sure those aspects are right. We got outreach teams going out into our cities. We got care teams loving people and serving people. We got life group leaders. Do you just see how there's so many parts that make up the body of Christ that make it function and be what it is? And it all matters and every part needs each other and every part is needed i hope you see you see that but it's not just that every part matters you matter paul paul go paul goes on here first corinthians 20 27 here actually says this check it out it says you and do you know what this you know who's paul's talking he's talking to you if you're a follower of jesus christ you are now a part of christ's body He says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. I can just hear Paul's passion in this. I can just hear him saying, this is not a have to. This is not, oh, great, I get to be a part of Christ's body. This is a, you are part of Christ's body. That is who you are. Like he's trying to inspire them and see what they're called to and see that we're called to come together and be the hands and feet of an unseen God that doesn't know him. We're called to come together. He says, you are the Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part. Everyone say your part. Your part of that of your part of that body, of Christ's body, does your part mean anything? We need each other, y'all. We're dependent on each other. But at the same time, not only does every part matter, you matter. And I pray that you would know that if you're a follower of Christ, you're not just called to be a part of the church as a whole. You're called to be a part of a church. Why? Because church is not just an event or building you attend. It is a mission that you join. And that's what I pray that you would get. Church is not just a Sunday event that we do every week so you can come and get your shot of Jesus. You can get your hit of Jesus. Church is a mission that you join where you say, I am called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and join others with their imperfections and their mess-ups and their great gifts and this beautiful mess. You, you are a beautiful mess. And as we join together with the beautiful mess, we, we continually be together a beautiful mess that makes Jesus known to this world. You know, one of the, one of the things, there's very few things that Jesus said pray for, but one of them was this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38 Jesus, uh, he was going through, it says here, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know what Jesus was saying here? Jesus was saying, look, the harvest, the people that want God, they're out there. Like, they're ready. They're, they're ready. And there's one thing that I've learned in leading this church for the past year. Our world is ready, y'all. Because what this world is finding out, all of these things that, that the whole world promises them that will bring them happiness, joy, and security, purpose, hope, it's failing them. That's why we are the most blessed nation in the history of humanity, yet we are the most medicated. Because we're, the world is promising them hope. Get this body and you'll be good. Get this sexual partner and you'll be fulfilled. Get this amount of money in your bank account and you're good. Have this kind of lifestyle and ah, you've made it. But the problem is where you go, there you are. Where you go, there you are, no matter how much you accumulate and how much you have. The bottom line is when you have a soul that has a need for something transcendent and beyond you. And when you try to fill in a deep, transcendent, eternal hole and need in your life with something temporary, it will always fail you. And the world is finding that out. And I'm telling you, the world is ready. This city is ready. I meet people every day at the gym. I meet people every day out to eat. These people are ready for something real, something fresh, something true, something legit. And I believe with every bit of ounce of blood and energy that I have, the church and Jesus is the answer. And my heart is, is to see the church win, not just a church win. My heart is to see the church as a whole get its reputation back as being what it's called to be, the hands and feet and physical representation of an unseen God. And my prayer is that we would join up in that. And we'd be like, yes, we want our church to do great, awesome, but we're only one church of 350 churches in, in this city. We need to come together and be the hands and feet of Jesus, y'all. The world is hungry. The world is ready. But do you know one thing Jesus says? Pray, pray, pray for laborers. Jesus is praying, God, or do you know Jesus is probably saying, I pray that there'd be someone that would care. My prayer is that there'd be somebody that would notice. Because Jesus says that he was going around healing, but then it says he's, he got compassion with the crowd. I believe because he was with the crowd. That's what made Jesus unique. He wasn't a religious leader that separated himself from hurt and pain in people's lives. He put himself directly in the middle of it. And that's what I loved about yesterday. You can clap. I like claps. I appreciate claps. That helps me preach better, I think. But he put himself in the middle. And this is what I loved yesterday, the for our city thing. We had people at, at these different places saying stuff like, I didn't even know this was here. Had no idea. And I love the conversations of, we're going to adopt this place. And you got four or five people talking. Yeah, we're going to adopt this place. Yeah, we're going we, we to get this place right. How many kids roll through here daily? Yeah, we, we're, we're, and you know who was, that was my wife. So, so I'm getting a big, a big earful. Kristen's like, yep, we're doing something, John. We're doing something. She didn't even know that place existed. But something changes when you just don't have a concept of something, but you get context. 
And I believe a lot of us know this city needs to change. So many crime and stuff going on. And problems are easier the further away we are from them. Problems are simpler the further we are. But the closer we get, we get context. And we see, oh, wow, this is a lot more complicated than I thought. It's going to take a little more resources here. It might take a little more of our time. It might take a little more prayer. It might take a little more money. It might take a little more than what I thought. But I believe that's what Jesus, he modeled for us. He said he had compassion on them because he was among them. We will never gain compassion unless we get context. You will only say things like, why don't they just fix it? Why don't those drug addicts just stop? Have you been there whenever there's been somebody that overdoses? The hurt and pain in their life? Trying to fill an eternal need for their soul through a feeling? My prayer is that God would break our hearts. That God would break our hearts. Because I believe Jesus' heart is broken. And I believe until we get a burden, until we get a compassion, that can only be from the Holy Spirit. We're just going to just be yelling at people, get better, do better, just try harder. When Jesus didn't do that with you, he was patient with you. He got into your mess to help you. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, at LifeHouse, we provide on, on, um, on ramps for you to get plug, plugged in. Because we know we just don't want church to be in some sort of event that you come to. We want it to be a family that you become a part of. So we, we, we provide on-ramps because we know coming to a church can be weird. A bunch of people that you don't know. And you're like, hi. <laughs> you know, and you're trying to walk in all inconspicuous. No one's seeing you. No one's seeing you. You're trying to get in, get your word of God in. Hallelujah. Get out the door quick. You're like, don't want to see me. Hey, how's it going? Have a great week. Bye. You know, it's like, how things going? Great, 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 great. Awesome. Bye. You know, it's like, it's like you're just trying to do what you, what you can to, to like not be seen, you know. But, but like we want to provide on-ramps for you that make it easy for you to get plugged in. One of those things is first Friday. It's just like a simple dinner that, that we do. You saw something for it earlier. It's literally intimate atmosphere. I'm there. Wife's there. Leaders of the church are, are, are there. Just trying to provide an opportunity for you to get to know us and we get to know you. Um, if you want to sign up for that, you can actually do that. The next one is September 7th. Everyone's welcome. We have child, child care and free dinner. You can have your date night at LifeHouse First Friday. You're welcome. Uh, that, or you can do, um, or LifeTrack is a great way. LifeTrack is, is kind of a three-step process that tells you our DNA system structure, who we are. Um, and then the this, this second step helps you win some steps in growing in your faith. The third step gives you, a, gives you a spiritual gift test, a personality test to see how God has wired you so you can operate in the gifts and be a part of the body of how he has called you to. Thirdly, life groups are just like groups of people that get together centered around whether it's a certain thing, exercise or basketball, um, and do Bible studies in those things. We say this, food plus friends plus Jesus equals life change, because uh, at each one of those groups, you're going to have food. You're going you're to hopefully make new friends, and then you're, you're going to grow closer to Jesus. So we just say we've got on, on ramps for you, but one of the best on ramps that I think we have here 
at LifeHouse. And all of these things are for you. They're, they're not just for us. One of those things is joining a dream team. And really our dream team is, is just a team of people that come together and serve in different areas and literally make Sundays happen, make, make life groups happen, make sure people are cared for, make sure people get meals whenever they have babies. Like there's just so many different parts of people that are on our dream team. Dream team could be hospitality team, like I said, that is greeting, directing cards, kids check-in, security team, um, first-time guest booth. There are so many aspects to it. Basically, the point of it is to make people feel welcome. Secondly, the production worship team. I talked about them earlier. If you can sing, if you can play an instrument, if, if, if you like, if you're kind of like OCD and you like spelling and stuff like that, you can run slides. If you're sound, Tech, tech savvy, we've got something for you there. If, if you like photography or Facebook or social media or stuff like that. And then we've got our kids teams, nursery workers that love and serve babies, preschool, elementary school. Do you just see how there's so many different things? And I just thought through, through my mind of like, what would hinder people? What are some of the things that would hinder people from wanting to step in the game and, 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 and actually say, hey, I would love to get on a dream team. Because here, here's the thing. I know that, that it is legitimate, the questions that you have of why you would not want to join a dream team. But I was like, you know what? I want to find out what people would say. So we have a Facebook dream team page. And I just posted the question. I said, what would, what would be a huge hindrance for you if you did not want to join a, or from you joining a dream team? We got like 50 responses. And I mean, it was, a, it was, a, it was probably the most conversation that I've ever seen on that page. Because um, people were actually speaking up and telling me, what, what things they had that kept them from joining, but also, beyond that, um, why they would think someone else wouldn't want to join. And a huge common thread in that was this word, fear. Fear. You could boil it down to fear. And so I want to address a few fears that I believe you have that might keep you or hindering you from, from wanting to say, you know what, I would love to get on one of these dream teams and help people experience life change through Christ. Now, look, I want to say this as kind of a, a preface here. We don't operate as a church by guilt ever. Guilt does, guilt does, not, change, change, guilt does not change you. Guilt only really honestly makes you feel worse. Our goal here is to never to guilt you into doing anything. Because for some of you here, that's why you hate the church. Because they just, they guilted you to give. They guilted you to serve. They guilted you to give your money. If you don't give your money, you're going to be cursed. Do you really love Jesus? And some of you, you still hold those wounds. We're not going to operate guilt, guilt, on guilt here, guys. We want to inspire you to see what you're called to as being part of the body and then give you the opportunity. Because it is an opportunity. It's not a have to. It's a I get to. But I believe some of you have a fear of your past. You probably even think things like, uh, John, you would never want me on your team. You would never want me on a dream team. Do you know me? Yeah. Do you know who I am? Uh, do you know my reputation? Uh, do you know how many times I've been married? Um, do you know what I did last night? You wouldn't want me. 
And uh, some of you fear your past. You're like, I, I couldn't join a, a dream team. I just want to tell you, that's a load of poop. Saying that nicely. Because it's really crazy. When Jesus went out and formed his squad and formed his team, Jesus did not go out to the religious elite and go up to them and be like, hey, how many scriptures do you know? How much of the Bible do you know? Do you know John, or do you know, do you know Zechariah 4, 12? Oh, you do. Okay, get on the team. <laughs> you know? like Jesus went out and he recruited tax collectors. These were like Roman IRS, like thieves. Then he went and got Simon the Zealot. Like Simon the Zealot was someone that hated the government. So he said, hey, I want you to follow me and join my team. So he had someone that hated the government, but like his life was devoted to, to being a terrorist to, to the government. And then he got a government worker. I can only imagine the campfire discussions. <laughs> Jesus breaking up fights, right? I, I can only imagine. Then it says Jesus, he went, and, he went down to the fishing port. Yo, Peter James, Peter John, yo, I need you to follow me. You got a calling. I see something in you. He knew their past. He knew they cussed like sailors. He knew they were in process. He knew they weren't arrived yet. He knew they probably didn't read their Bible every day. He knew they were still in process, and so are you. So am I. We're all on this thing, all on this journey of following Christ and knowing Christ, but I want to tell you, let go of your past so we can let go of you. Let it go. I believe that's a word for somebody today. You've been letting your past hold you back like crazy from what you know God's called you to do. I want to let you know today, if Jesus forgives you, if Jesus has let it go, you need to forgive yourself, and you need to let it go, and you need to believe the gospel, and the gospel is this. You can't earn a thing from God. You can't save yourself at all. Scripture says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of every unrighteousness. The, the, the gospel isn't change, and then you are accepted. The gospel is you are accepted by God. Let's work on you changing. And we will promise you if you step out and join uh, a dream team, we're not going to hold your past against you, but we will help you and to be the person that God has called you to be as you leave your past and enter a new life in Jesus Christ. Come on. I believe for some of you today, that's it. I love the fact of Peter. Just imagine being Peter. Peter followed Jesus for three years. And we're just not talking about he was a Christian. Like Peter literally was with Jesus. Like he saw him. He saw him heal. Saw him teach. Saw, like I can just imagine the stuff that Jesus did and said that he saw. But when the pressure got hot, when he realized his life was going to possibly be at stake here, Peter, to the servant girl's face three times, said, I don't know that man. Peter says, well, whenever the rooster crowed, it says he went away and wept bitterly. Can't imagine the shame, the guilt, the depression, the anger that Peter felt denying the man that believed in him so much. 
The crazy thing is Jesus even told him, Peter, you're going to deny me. But even Jesus knew Peter's failure before Peter even did it. Yet he had a plan in place. Jesus knew your failure even before you did it. He knows your failure even before you're going to fail again. But he's already provided a way. He's already provided a sacrifice. When Jesus went and died on the cross, he died for your sins, past, present, and future, to give you a new life in Christ. You need to believe the gospel today that the gospel is good enough to forgive you of your past and move on. I love in John chapter 21, Jesus appears to Peter while Peter's fishing. You know what Peter did before Jesus called him? He was a fisherman. Peter had left his calling. Peter was like, Jesus would never accept me back. I have denied Jesus straight to this little servant girl's face. So I'm going to literally turn from my calling and go and do what I did before God called me. Jesus shows up to him and Jesus doesn't get a bat and go and hit him. Jesus doesn't get a bat or he doesn't just go off on him immediately. You know what Jesus says? This is why I love Jesus. He says, hey, Peter, I made you breakfast. Why churches, that's why churches and food is so important. Jesus was all about some food. He said, Peter, I made you some breakfast. We need to have breakfast right over here on the, on the shore. I don't know why I'm crying, dude. I hate this. Oh, okay. Um. I can't imagine Peter. The shame he felt looking into Jesus' eyes. And knowing Jesus believed in you so much. And Peter is looking at him. I just can't imagine that shame and guilt and fear. Because I just think about my son, you know, if my son did something, you know, and, and he just felt ashamed and he didn't even want to see me again because he was so ashamed. But Jesus asked him three times. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times. And how many times did Peter deny Christ? Three. And every single time Peter said, Jesus, you know I love you. He immediately restored him. And I believe that's what Jesus wants to do to you today. He wants to look into your eyes. Let go of your past. It's over. I know you're not perfect. I know you're not there yet. But I, I could just see Jesus putting his arm around Peter. You gotta call him, brother. And what do you see in Acts chapter 2? Jesus goes away, ascends, who's the first person jumping up with passion, with power, with fire in his belly, preaching the gospel. Peter. And I sincerely believe this today. There are some of you, you've been running from God. You've been running from your calling. And Jesus, Jesus tells you today, let's come and have breakfast. And he wants to tell you, I believe in you. I forgive you. It's over now. Move on. If you've got a calling, 
Let's go do this thing. And you're going to walk out of this place today with a new authority, a new power, knowing you've been totally forgiven by God. You need to let go of your past because it has let go of you. Some of you, though, you have a fear of the crowd. You're just so dominated by what people think. Well, if I join a team, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm dumb? They, you know, they're, they're gonna, I'm, you know, I'm not going to know what I'm doing. They're going to know I'm a fake. They're, you know, but it's not just that you're scared to join a dream team because of that. Like you're, you're even, this is how you operate in life. You live dominating by, dominated by the voice of other people. You are, you have a fear of the crowd, and so you live your life according to what other people's expectations are of you. And you say things like, I'm not even myself. You say things like, who am I? Because you feel like you are this completely divided person, and it's because you are. It's because you're living according to the complete expectations of what someone else wants instead of living for the audience of one. That will completely transform your life. If you say, the only audience I live for is for the audience of one, and that one is the King of kings and Lord of lords. When you stand before God, you're not going to stand before anyone but God himself. You're not going to stand before your friends. You're not going to stand before your coworkers. You're not going to stand before any of those other people. It's going to be you and God standing before him. Some of you today, you need to be reminded of 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, doesn't give us fear, but gives us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. He gives you a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. And some of you today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is going to break your addiction to approval. He's going to break your addiction to other people's approval. Because if you live for it, you'll die when you don't get it. And so many people going are, are just living to what other people want. And whenever they don't get the approval that they want... They're, they're consistently up and down. Well, that person likes me. That person doesn't like me. Maybe you are right now in a, in a toxic relationship. Maybe you're a guy, girl. You're in a toxic relationship where you've lost your identity because of you wanting to meet this person's expectations. I need to tell you today that's not healthy. You need to get out. Because you, you are on a path towards complete destruction. Because you can only keep that up for so long. And it's heading towards a dead end where you'll, you won't even know yourself and you'll hate yourself. Jesus wants to offer you newness today. Live for an audience of one. Thirdly, I, I believe some of you, you got the fear of the unknown. I don't want to join a dream team. Will I like it? Will I know what I'm doing? What do I have to do? I've never greeted before. I've never made coffee before. Never set up or tore down before. <laughs> I've never, that better be Jesus. Just kidding. <laughs> I say that every single time. <laughs> it's always funny. <laughs> better be Jesus calling you, right? But, but they, that better be Jesus, like for, like for real, for real. <laughs> uh, but I, I know there's a lot of unknown stepping out. But sometimes you need to step out to find out. You know that God's calling and God's purpose in your life is probably on the other side of your comfort zone. Some of you, you've been holding out because you're like, well, I just don't know. 
God, let me tell you, we, we're going to make sure that you are prepared. If you join a dream team, whatever dream team that you join, we're going to make sure you're, you know, you feel comfortable in what you're doing. That, that we don't want you to just go out and just try to, try to make it happen. We're going to train you. We're going to make sure there is steps to you knowing what is going on. You know, we've developed a concept here. It's called sit one, serve one, where, where you know, we, we have services. We have team members that, you know, twice, uh, twice per month, they will go and they will sit one service and serve one service. But here's the bottom line. Uh, you got to step out sometimes to find out. And I believe some of you here, you've been thinking about joining a dream team, thinking about stepping out. I believe the time is now. Last, lastly, the fourth thing, worship team, y'all can go, go ahead and come on up. That means I'm closing because it's 1150. What in the name of the Lord? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't care, okay? We're going to keep on going. Is that okay? Are you guys good? Anyone falling asleep? All right. I'm going to get you out of, out of, out of, I'm going to get you out of here soon, I promise. The fourth thing, though, is fear of commitment. If I join a dream team, how long will I have to serve? The rest of my life? Do I cut my finger and give you blood as a sign of the covenant that I do to serve? Is, is there blood shedding here? <laughs> like, what? Like, do I serve? Like, I, commitment. And, and some of y'all are afraid to commit to anything. Talk to guys, and there are some guys that they won't commit to anything. They won't commit to their women. Like, guys, you've been dating for years? Put a ring on that thing. Do it God's way. Do it right. Commit. I know you're scared. Commitment is scary. Jesus knows that. He committed to his calling when it sucked when it hurt he even prayed god if you got any other hey yo father god you got any other way do it any other way do it but some of you you got a fear of committing but look we've got eight services Sundays. Eight services on Sundays. And what we typically ask volunteers for is we say, hey, two services monthly. So just serve for two out of the eight weeks or two out of the eight services. So it's basically one service every other week. We know you're going to have life come up. We know you're going to have kids sick. We know you're going to get sick. We know you're, 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 you know, you're, you're going to travel. No one's going to throw rocks at you. No one's going to tell you you're not committed. No one's going to tell you you're not good in, enough. We, we know that sometimes life happens. But here's the thing. We don't want that to keep you from saying, I'll do my part. In this whole dream, dream team thing, we do this for you. It's not just about us because there's power when the church comes together and says, look, I will do my part to play a part in being the hands and feet of Jesus. Not, not, not just Monday through Saturday, but Sunday as well. We've got heroes at Lifehouse, y'all. We have so many heroes that have given their heart and soul to get this thing launched. A couple of them really quick. I, there's so many people that I wish that I could just, that I could just introduce you to 
recognize, but I can't do it all. But just a couple really quick is Paul and Bernita Baker. I don't know where they are. If they could come down. Are they looking like Jesus? Come on, come on, come on, come on down. We got Paul and Bernita Baker here. They, they oversee the fun job of setup and teardown. So did you talk about a thankless job? That, that all of us, we come and reap the fruit of their work. They put together teams to set up and tear down weekly. They're faithful. They have been passionate for it. They've just done an incredible job. And I just want one more time for us to thank them. But at the same, but at the same time, it would be absolutely incredible if, if all of us here being the part of the body of Christ said, you, you know what? I'll, I'll set up or tear down once a month. Like not both set up and tear down, but I'll set up or tear down once a month. Like, are you serious? I get the opportunity to, to set up an atmosphere for people to come and receive hope and life and joy and peace and Jesus. Like, are you serious? Like we get this opportunity, count me in. Like you find them after service, be like, hey, when do you, when do you, when, when do you need me here? It's not a have to, it's a get to. Like, are you serious? We get the opportunity to present a place where people can come and experience life change. My prayer is that all of us today would find them and be like, yo, when you, you know, I'll do once a month. Yep, sure, count me in, I got you. Why? Because we can all do it. But we say, set up and tear down is not my spiritual gift. Nope, not my spiritual gift. But serving is. Jesus said the greatest among you will be the rich and powerful. Nope. Greatest among you will be what? The servant. Servant isn't about what you do, it's about the heart you have. All of us can play a, a part. I had a, I had a great time before service today, putting up signs, flags outside. Are you serious? We, I get to do that. Are you serious? We get the opportunity to have hundreds of lives come here every single week and experience life change through Christ. I'll set up and tear down for that every day of the week. I love you guys. I'm, I'm thankful for you guys. Let's get up for them one more time. Think of the Carrier family. I don't know if the Carrier family is. It's, yeah, I think they're sitting right there. Would you, would you guys stand up really, really quick? Let's think about them. Like I said, there's so many people. What I love about them is they come in here dragging their kids. They got four of them jokers. I got three. They got four, and they come in here. Adam will come in here with like a kid tied to his leg. He'll come and look like he's got a limp, but it'll actually be a kid on his leg. They'll come in here at 7.30, ready to get set up, done. What they do is they actually alternate. They'll, 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 to Adam, he'll come in early one week. Mary Dawn, they'll come in early the next week. And, and it's like, I, I just appreciate their hearts to, to say, look, we get to do this. We don't have to. Like, it's probably really hard to wake their kids up and get there. And, and like I said, this is not guilt. This is like, not, oh my God, you have kids. You be, no, this is that they're doing what they feel their part is. You're going to have a different part. But I just love the fact that they're like, look, this is what God's called us to do. We're going to do it. We're going to be faithful and we're going to do, we're going to play the part that God has for us so we can come together as a joint unit, as a joint body and be the public display of who Jesus Christ is. Adam serves in kids ministry. That's not my calling. I'll tell you that right now. Mary Dawn serves in production. Very, very 
thankful for them. Thank you, guys. I love you. One more time. Let's give it up for them. Alicia Uzzel. I don't know if she's here. She's, she's probably nursery. You know she wasn't in church the first seven months? Serving every service. Why? She loves your babies. She, told, she came to a team meeting before we launched and told us, I don't want to do kids ministry. Literally. I'll do anything besides kids. Where do we have the biggest need? Kids. She said, I'm not going to put my needs first. I'm going to put Christ's needs first. Now you can't get her out the nursery because it's her babies. She's praying over them. She's blessing them. She's, she has said, I have found my calling. Come on, let's give it up, man. It's amazing. There's something beautiful about when people say, not my needs first, Christ needs first. We are the most, man, I'm passionate for this, man, because it, it, that's the beautiful thing about the church. When people put his needs above their needs, you will never regret doing that. You will never regret saying, Christ, use me. So look, here, here's the, the bottom line. We want you to sign up and join a team. Get rid of your fear. Face your fear. Beat your fear. We know you're not perfect. We know that you might feel there as unknowns. We know your fear of committing. We know your, your, your other fears. But what we want to ask you today, step out to find out. And today, we're even going to sweeten the deal a little bit for you. Sometimes you just need a little nudge. So here's our nudge. We're gonna give you a shirt today. Not just a shirt. We got a $5 Starbucks gift card for you. If you sign up today to join a Dream Team today or next week, but we wanna encourage you this week. And we've got information on every team out there and we got people, they'll sit there and talk to you. We want to let you know, we do this for you so you can get plugged in, so you can see how God can use your small part to make a huge difference in this city and in this community. The world's waiting, the harvest is plentiful, and I don't know about you, but I want us to come together as a church body, as the church, and say, God, whatever you wanna do with my life, do it. I'll play whatever part I have to play to see the mission of Christ move forward as we put our needs second and his needs first. The beautifulness of the church in the midst of our mess is, dis is beautifully displayed. Stand up, church, we gotta hurry. We're going to, to receive communion together today. If, if, if you need communion elements, lift up hands. Want to make sure that everyone's got, got, got one. Do you guys have it? You guys have it? Any, anybody need one? I got two here. We're going to receive communion together. There you go, dear. We're going to receive communion together today as the body of Christ the body of Christ. This here, wafer here, sim symbolizes the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. This wafer and this juice here. The wafer, though, symbolizes the broken body, meaning his body was broken so we could be made whole. And I don't just believe spiritually, but also physically. If you have a physical need today in your body, I believe that Christ dying on the cross made us whole. And I believe today you can be healed. Quick testimony, really quick. We had somebody come in last Sunday. 
the whole week leading up to Sunday, she, could, she said, I had breathing problems. She said, I couldn't breathe. She came in Sunday during the second service. She said she could barely breathe. Last week's sermon, talking about the Holy Spirit and basically how, how the Holy Spirit is, is the breath of God, wind of God. And we did an altar call. People came down. She came down, lifted up hands. She said at that moment, she lifted up hands. Breath filled her lungs and her breathing problems immediately left at that moment. And she hasn't had any problems since. Come on, somebody. Want to give God praise for that. There's power. So Jesus, we thank you today for the broken body so we could be made whole. We receive it today, knowing that you're good and that you're for us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's eat together. The juice here. It says this, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Scripture also tells us plainly that as we take communion, that we are to, what, examine ourselves. Look into our hearts, look into our lives, ask ourselves the question, are we completely following Jesus with everything we have? So I just want to take a second here, a few quick moments to do some business with God. Maybe there are sins that you need to ask forgiveness for, commitments personally that you need to make, that before we receive this juice here, we just say, God, I give you my life, I give you my heart. We're just going to take a few moments. we thank you. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us so we could be forgiven of sin and restored to relationship with you. We receive it today with gratefulness and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Strength. Aren't you glad, church, that we have a good God, a loving Savior that loves you, that cares for you? God, we just want to commit this time to you. We're grateful and thankful for the word you've spoken today. I pray for those. I pray they'd have a restored hope in the church today. God, you love us. You sent your church to be on mission, to be your hands and feet to this dying world. And I pray that all of us would do our part, that we would say, whatever I got to do, I'm in. Because I want to see Jesus thrive. I want to see the reputation of the church transformed and changed. Because I want to see this city come to know the purpose and reason for life, and that's Jesus. God, I thank you for these people. Speak to them. Challenge them. And we pray that we'd walk out these doors today inspired, knowing the church is the hope of the world, and we get to be, we get to play a part in this thing. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.